progress. Thank you, Jennifer. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Transportation Authority of Marin Board of Commissioner meeting here, July 27th, 2023. And I would uh, like to uh, welcome everyone. Uh, prior to the roll call, I would like to make clear for the record, and it should be reflected in the minutes, that this meeting is being conducted pursuant to California Code Section 54953, in that Commissioner Sackett is participating remotely from Sacramento. In accordance with the Ralph M. Brown Act, Commissioner Sackett's teleconference location has been identified in the notice and agenda for this meeting. Jennifer, roll call, please. Commissioner Blaustein, absent. Commissioner Carmel? Here. Commissioner Carroll? Here. Commissioner Collin? Present. Commissioner Catrano is absent. Commissioner Frock? Here. Commissioner Fredericks? Absent. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Present. Commissioner Cool? Absent. Commissioner Moulton Peters? Here. Commissioner Ravazio? Here. Commissioner Rice? Here. Commissioner Rodoni? Here. Commissioner Sackett? Here. Vice Chair Lucan? Here. Chair Colbert? Here. Great, you have a quorum. Wonderful, thank you, Jennifer. Can we have the public participation announcements, please? Yes. This meeting will be conducted as a hybrid meeting. A Zoom webinar link has been provided as well as accommodations for in-person attendance. There are a number of ways that the public may participate in today's discussion. For members of the public participating in person, the board chair will recognize persons from the audience who wish to address the board during public open time or on a particular agenda item at the time that that item is considered by the board. Members of the public participating by Zoom may provide verbal comment on any item during the open time for that particular item by using the raised hand feature or dialing star nine and waiting to be called upon to provide your comment. Meeting related comments may also be sent to info at tam.ca.gov and will be read when the specific agenda item is considered by the board and will become part of the public record. Please note that there is a two minute limit per comment. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. We'll now move on to agenda item one, which is the chair's report. Uh, there's gonna be really exciting news about Marin Transit, but I suspect it will be covered by the president of Marin Transit Board Director, Supervisor Katie Rice, our executive uh, in Richmond and the general manager of Marine Transit. So I will let all three of them cover it later on. So with that, mm -hmm. I have actually our MTC rep might also have a few things to say about it too at some point. I might, but I don't want to steal that thunder. <laughs> well, there we go. So in any case, there's no additional chairs report. Uh, Jennifer, uh, any public comment on the chairs report? I don't see any public comments at this time. Excellent. Agenda item two, commissioner reports and matters not on the agenda. We will lead off with the MTC report from Commissioner Moulton-Peters. Good evening, everyone. I will say that yesterday's MTC meeting was a fairly short one, uh, as tonight's TAM meeting will be. Uh, the main items were reallocating RM3 uh, additional funds to large projects not in Marin County, so I'm not gonna report out about that. But I will say that under the um, Bay Area uh, Housing Financing Committee, we did um, 
hear about a bill, and this is uh, AB 1085, for housing support services. It adds housing support services as a new Medi-Cal benefit for enrollees experiencing homelessness or a risk of becoming homelessness, homeless to stabilize their housing situation. Um, and so this is a, uh, a bill that would require the Department of Healthcare Services to apply for federal approval of new Medi-Cal benefit called housing support services for enrollees who are homeless. And so another source of um, uh, service support for homeless. So I just wanted to mention that is a bill that MTC is supporting. And that's my report. Thank you very much. Now for the Marin Transit Report from Commissioner Rice. All right. I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but I'll give you a little bit of information uh, around the um, big news coming out of Marin Transit. So um, as some of you may be aware, the Federal Tran Transit Administration, otherwise known as the FTA, has awarded Marin Transit with a $31.5 million grant for an electric bus charging and maintenance facility. It was the largest grant award uh, awarded in the state of California in this round. Um, it is, a, it's huge. It, it will, makes possible um, our, the transit district's ability to secure and develop a permanent fully electric a yard and maintenance facility for a bus fleet. And this, uh, being able to do this will allow Marin Transit to achieve its goals and meet the statutory deadlines set by the state to convert to 100% zero emission fleet by 2040. So a uh, great big deal and really proud of, we're really proud of Marin Transit and its staff uh, and the board as well for setting up the agency to be so competitive um, in this um, grant funding and to take Marin County and our public transit system into a clean, green future. That's my report. Thank you. Now we return to Commissioner Lucan for the SMART report. Uh, thank you, Chair. Just a couple quick highlights from SMART. Uh, on Friday, June 30th, SMART set an all-time ridership record of 3,598 riders. Uh, what's exciting about that is that's really since the start of service for SMART. So we're not talking about post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, any sort of, this is just since the start of service, the highest single day of ridership they've ever had, uh, which is really exciting. A couple other ridership uh, stats uh, for the month of May, SMART uh, saw a 102% increase over May of 2019. So also seeing growth. So um, over 100% um, from, from uh, pre-pandemic. Pre uh, continuing on with some ridership stats, for fiscal year 23, SMART had 640,099 riders. It's the second highest annual total since the, the start of service for SMART. And the goal for fiscal year 24 would be to set a record for all-time annual ridership. Um, with the 640,000 passengers that we carried uh, last fiscal year, uh, that equates to 14 million passenger miles when you calculate the average uh, length of, of rides on SMART. Uh, and then with regards to bikes on board for fiscal year um, uh, 23, we carried 92,741 bikes on board. Uh, the previous record prior to that was 69,000 bikes in 2019. So a very significant growth in bikes uh, on board SMART and a lot of uh, positive stats uh, all go in the right direction. So that's my report. Thank you so much. 
any matters not in the agenda that our commissioners would like to bring forward here in the room? Seeing none, I believe Commissioner Sackett has her hand raised. Thank you, Chair Colbert. Can you hear me? Uh, we can. Okay. I just wanted to report on July 13th, um, the County Bicycle and Pedestrian Committee met and gathered to talk about um, an e-bike ordinance. And um, there was interest among that group in trying to do something collectively uh, across the county um, rather than jurisdiction by jurisdiction. We are watching closely what Commissioner Carmel had brought forward at Mill Valley and are looking forward to getting um, an update on how that's rolling out. It sounded like it was it was too early at this point, but I did want to indicate that we continue to hear even this week from um, our friends at Marin Health that they continue to see tragic accidents and injuries um, from e-bikes. And so I, I, we continue to work on that. And if there's people who want to get involved, um, please reach out to me. Thanks. Thank you for those comments, Commissioner Sackett. All right, we will bring uh, that to a close. Any public comment here on this item in the room, Jennifer? Oh, any online? I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair. We'll move on to item three, the executive director's report. Okay, uh, good evening, everyone. Nice to see you all. Um, so I will start my report with uh, continuing on the thunderous celebration of Marin Transit's grant award. <laughs> I have a picture, so we thought we might as well show the picture. Um, this is from the July 21st press event uh, featuring Congressman Jared Huffman and uh, many of the Marin Transit board members, uh, as well as a representative from FTA Region 9. Um, so I don't really need to dwell on this, but uh, obviously good news for Marin Transit and a celebration for all who were involved. Uh, next slide. Um, so you may remember back in March, Redwood Boulevard in Novato was damaged during one of our winter storm events. Uh, you can see the photo here taken from an aerial view. And um, that road has been closed since that time. Caltrans has been working hard on repairing it. And uh, some good news that as of last Friday, a temporary bike path was opened on the roadway between Buck Center Drive and San Antonio Road. So cyclists can now use that uh, temporary path to ride between Novato and Petaluma without major restrictions. Um, there will be some flag people there to assist and uh, construction activities may require temporary stoppages uh, from time to time during those work hours. Vehicle access uh, continues to be closed until the repairs are done and that's expected to happen in the fall. Next slide. Um, Supervisor Lucan uh, referred to SMART and their ridership, and I think that uh, centered around the Marin County Fair. And Tam also had a role in the fair this year with the uh, Enjoy Electrification Experience, which we sponsored along with the County of Marin and MCE. And this was a booth at the fair supporting electric vehicle information for attendees. The booth included um, e-bikes, a map of the charging stations in the county, an F-150 Lightning pickup truck that provided power for fans, which was very popular on the hot days of the fair, uh, as well as some other um, displays and uh, informational items. 
and approximately 5,000 people visited the booth, and there was a survey um, that visitors were encouraged to fill out. There were about 200 responses provided to that survey, and um, there's a report kind of documenting the results of the survey and some highlights from the, the booth that's available on the TAM website. Um, and uh, there's a lot of information about kind of people's perceptions of EVs and their interest, and uh, one of the kind of Highlight numbers was 83% of the survey participants said they would consider an EV for their next vehicle, and 50% said that they would purchase one in the next two years. Turning to some regional news, um, MTC is kicking off an update to Plan Bay Area 2050, the long-range plan for the Bay Area region. It's about a two and a half year effort, um, but even with that amount of time, this is considered to be a limited and focused update to the existing plan. There's no RENA process this time around, um, but the plan will include a new region-wide transit network plan that is being developed in parallel. Uh, MDC is starting public outreach events, and there's one coming to Marin County on August 23rd at College of Marin's Kentfield campus. And uh, the MTC website certainly has more information on the process. Uh, they also recently uh, conducted a call for interest for project ideas for a new program called the Community Action Resource and Empowerment, or CARE program. Uh, some of you may remember uh, a previous MTC program called the Lifeline program, and this CARE program is kind of a reconfiguration of that uh, former program. Uh, they intend to use federal and state funds to advance projects identified in community-based transportation plans. So those plans are for generally equity priority communities, including capacity building programs and capital projects. And TAM staff worked closely with several of our local partner agencies on um, submitting some initial project ideas by the June 26th deadline. So that was just yesterday. And again, this was just a call for letters of interest, and the actual call for projects is expected to be released uh, this fall. So we'll keep folks posted on that. There was a fair amount of interest uh, from local jurisdictions and transit agencies. Uh, turning to some state news, Caltrans has installed two radar speed feedback signs and a rapid rectangular flashing beacon in Stinson Beach as part of their ongoing effort to improve road safety and pedestrian safety and visibility um, along State Route 1, among other corridors. Um, the speed feedback signs were installed at uh, SR1 intersections with Calle del Sierra and Arenal Avenue, and the flashing beacon was installed at the crosswalk at the Stinson Beach School. Uh, these beacons, if you're not familiar with them, generally alert drivers to the presence of pedestrians in a crosswalk uh, by the kind of pole-mounted flashing beacon sign. And on the federal news front, um, earlier this month, the U.S. Department of Transportation, in collaboration with the Department of Energy, released a free technical resource to help communities take advantage of uh, federal funding for EV charging and also to be able to plan and scope out uh, charging station projects in their areas. They released a rural EV toolkit last year, and the new guide is really focused on urban projects. Uh, it's called Charging Forward, a toolkit for planning and funding urban electric mobility infrastructure. Um, it's just another resource for communities and planning agencies and even property owners and developers to use. And as a reminder, TAM developed a toolkit for local agencies a few years ago, and that is still available on our website as well. 
this is our monthly community slide. I just want to highlight a few things from this. Um, so uh, over the last month or so, we have held three meetings related to uh, the interchange program, kind of reviewing some initial concept ideas and seeking public input. And thank you to the board members who attended those three meetings. Um, tomorrow, I will be participating in the first Bay Area Coastal Resilient Infrastructure Workshop. This is being held in Sausalito, uh, hosted by Janelle Kelman with her organization, the Center for Sea Rise Solutions, along with the Marine Exchange of the San Francisco Bay and the University of California, Santa Cruz. And um, uh, looking forward to that event, connecting uh, practitioners and academics with coastal resiliency uh, projects and programs. And then uh, finally, reminder that TAM is hosting a Clean Fleet Expo on September 12th here at the Civic Center. We'll be showcasing medium and heavy duty vehicles and different public fleet options. And uh, we have a lot of people signed up from throughout the North Bay, but if any of your agencies are interested, uh, they can definitely reach out to TAM staff. We did include the monthly Caltrans report in the packet. Uh, lots going on with our uh, state partner. And uh, my final note is that in keeping with tradition, uh, we are planning to cancel the um, executive committee and August board meetings for TAM, and we will resume back in September. And that concludes my report. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Ann. Any questions from my fellow commissioners? Irvin? Hi, so thank you so much for your report. So just so I understand the CARE program, that is, that is like hard asset only. That's not like programmatic, is it? Or is it is it both? Um, I think they're waiting to see a little bit what sort of interest they get. It is um, restricted based on the eligibility of the fund sources. So some things are eligible. Some things might not fit as well with the eligibility. But if there's something that um, somebody is interested in, we can definitely take a look with uh, you or them. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Um, Jennifer, any public comment online? I'm not seeing any in the room. Yes, Warren Wells, please unmute. Hi, Chair, Commissioners. This is Warren Wells with the Marin County Bicycle Coalition. Um, just want to thank uh, the general manager for the her report. I just did want to note it to note um, so the the redwood slide has been repaired or has been repaired. The bike access is, has been um, restored for the, through that segment. However, something we only learned about yesterday um, was that there is an unrelated construction project that Caltrans is undertaking uh, on the San Antonio Creek undercrossing of uh, 101 between the west side and the east side of US 101. So I'm sorry. So access is actually not uh, available between Marin and Sonoma at the moment. And I haven't been able to get any concrete information because they didn't notify us or uh, our partners in Sonoma or, uh, or TAM apparently. But uh, it seems as though that route under the freeway will be closed for another month. So uh, we're a little frustrated with our partners at Caltrans, so lack of notification for this, but I want to alert TAM for this as well. And sorry for the baby in the background. Thanks so much. <laughs> Jennifer, any additional public comment? I don't see any public comments at this time. Thank you. We'll move on to uh, item four, which is open time for public expression, up to two minutes per speaker on items not on the agenda that are within the subject matter of this agency's jurisdiction. All members of the public are welcome to address the board. Under the Brown Act, board members may 
not deliberate or take action on items not in the agenda and may generally only listen. Jennifer, I'm not seeing any public comment here in the room. Any online? I don't see any hands raised at this time. Thank you so much. We'll move on to item five to our consent agenda. My commissioners have any changes they'd like to see on this evening's consent agenda? I'm not seeing anything in the room or anything online. Uh, Jennifer, any public comment in the room or online concerning the consent agenda? I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair. Thank you so much. Would a commissioner care to offer a motion? So moved. I approve the minutes. Second. second. We have a first by Commissioner Moulton Peters, a second by Commissioner Collin, and due to one of our commissioners being remote, we will do an individual call for the entire evening. Jennifer? Commissioner Carmel? Yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Farrakh? Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Malton Peters? Yes. Commissioner Ravazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Rodoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Vice Chair Lucan? Yes. Chair Colbert? I'm also a yes. That passes unanimously. Thank you. We'll now move on to item six, and I'll just remind uh, my fellow commissioners, who I'm sure remember, and the public that we will be having a public hearing on items six and seven. So um, we're now moving on to agenda item number six. This is the 2023 Measure A, Measure AA Transportation Sales Tax Strategic Plan. Since the draft strategic plan was posted on TAM's website on June 23rd. 2023 for the required 30-day public inspection, and a public comment notification was published on June 28, 2023. We're having a public hearing to provide further opportunity for comments. Therefore, I'm opening the public hearing. Following the hearing, the board will consider adoption of the 2023 Measure A, Measure A, Transportation Sales Tax Strategic Plan. The hearing is now open. Jennifer, do we have any public comment within the chambers or online? Chair, I don't see any public comments at this time. I will now close the hearing. Thank you, Jennifer. We now move on to item 6B, adoption of the draft 2023 Measure A, Measure AA, Transportation Sales Tax Strategic Plan. This item is for the consideration and approval of the 2023 Measure A, Measure AA, Transportation Sales Tax Strategic Plan. Wow, that was a mouthful. On to the, on to the staff presentation. Ann? I'm going to turn it over to David Chan, TAM's Director of Programming. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is David Chan, Director of uh, Programming. I'm going to talk a little bit about the strategic plan, the Measure AAA strategic plan. Um, next slide, please. Just a little bit of background before we get into the meat of the presentation. Um, Measure A was approved by voter uh, by nearly over 71% back in November 2004. Uh, measure A was due to expire uh, on March uh, 2025. Uh, we put Measure AA on the ballot. It was approved by nearly 77% of Marine voters in November 2018. Uh, this extended Measure A for another 30 years uh, that's due to expire in uh, 2049. Uh, both 
expenditure plan, uh, directed TAM to prepare strategic plans. Next, please. Uh, just a little background on how the strategic plan fits within the process. At the very high level, you have the expenditure plan. It's, uh, it's approved uh, by voter, it creates a priority list. It's high level, it's flexible on implementation. Underneath that is the strategic plan. And the strategic plan basically uh, 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 describes the funding allocation guideline, the board approval. Uh, it's updated every two years and it, uh, it gives uh, revenue projection on an annual basis on how much funds will be collected. And then below that is the, uh, uh, the budget and the allocation process that uh, each funding that must be approved by the TAM board. Next, please. So the purpose of the strategic plan, it really outlines the revenue and how it's distributed to projects and program. Uh, it establishes the timing of when the fundings are available for each project and addresses the funding priority. Uh, it reconciles, this is a point, it reconciles when the expected revenue uh, will be available for the project. And this is what uh, many of your uh, public works director rely on. They want to know when the funding is going to be available and how much is going to be available for their projects. Uh, and uh, it provides an overall structure on how the fund is to be managed, uh, provides an oversight on how the revenue are to be managed, and it provides guidance to the sponsor on what is required of them, such as a, a, a producing report uh, uh, and how the fund should be spended. Uh, this, Keep in mind that the strategic plan itself does not constitute a final funding commitment. So a sponsor that asks for the money will still have to uh, provide a funding uh, allocation request and come to the board for approval for those funds. Next, please. So uh, as I mentioned, the measure AAA strategic plan is updated every other year. Uh, however, we do update the revenue and expenditure component of, of the plan. Uh, this is the the attachment that goes with the plan, it describes uh, how all the fundings are programmed and when they become available. Uh, update to the strategic plan must be approved by the TAM board following a 30-day uh, public comment period and a uh, public hearing. Next, please. Uh, so the measure A strategic plan has been in existence since 2005. And again, it's been updated every other year. And the first measure AA strategic plan was adopted by the TAM board in 2019. And uh, the measure, the 2021 measure AAA strategic plan was developed. And we essentially combined the measure A and AA into one strategic plan. And uh, uh, primarily the reason is that measure AA is really an extension of measure A. And both uh, measure collects the same uh, revenue over a consecutive period and uh, largely funding the same projects and program. Next. So a little bit about the measure A commitment. Um, all the funds for measure A have been fulfilled except for one small amount under strategy 1.4 for transit capital. There was an amount of 1.4 million uh, that was allocated to Marin Transit in June of last year, and we expect Marin Transit to 
requests for all the funds and uh, will be fully reimbursed uh, by the end of soon, uh, actually uh, by the end of fiscal year 23. So once the funds are fully reimbursed to Marin Transit, all commitment under Measure A, except for the reserve fund, will have been fulfilled. Uh, and so uh, after that's done, the reporting for Measure A in the strategic plan will uh, be likely kept at a minimum. Next. A little bit about the Measure AA. Uh, this is a chart that uh, you have seen uh, over again, and it basically described the four categories of Measure AA, 7% to highway improvement, 26.5% uh, for local infrastructure, 11.5% uh, for safe access to school program, and 55% for transit. Next, please. Uh, the, the measure, oh, excuse me, the, uh, the draft 2023 measure AA strategic plan is consistent with the uh, prior strategic plan. There's, there's not a lot of changes, but there are some changes and uh, uh, the changes include updating the status of project um, and also uh, updating the revenue forecasts. And uh, lastly, uh, allowing or changing the language to the Citizen Oversight Committee membership. Next, please. Uh, I'll talk about each one of those. Uh, the Measure AA revenue forecast, as you can see on this chart, there's three columns. Uh, one is the 2023 projection. The middle is the 2021 projection. And then the last column on the right is the original projection that was uh, 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 brought to the voter uh, back in 2018. So since 2021, Marin sales collection has really benefited and has really increased uh, from the 2021 projection uh, because of strong home to work arrangement, strong housing market and other uh, closer to home spending. Uh, as a result, you can see uh, there's a pretty significant bump under the 2023 projection of $1.3 million, I'm sorry, $1.3 billion. Uh, even with this estimate, this uh, optimistic estimate, uh, there is some, uh, we have to look at the fact that there are global and nas uh, national uncertainty that might damper that uh, projection. Uh, but the good side is that Marin, has weathered some of these downturn in the past because of uh, economic nature of this county with uh, high per capita personal income and relatively low unemployment rate. Next, please. Um, a little bit about the COC membership change. Uh, the current COC membership structure was established back in 2004 under the Measure A uh, sales tax expenditure plan. Uh, and to ensure that the structure can be reviewed over time because of different needs, particularly those in the underserved, the TAM board under the Measure B expenditure plan review process uh, authorized adjustment to the COC membership changes when necessary. Uh, because this direction was recognized under the draft 2003 Measure B expenditure plan, uh, and also in the draft measure BAA strategic plan, uh, we wanted to make sure that 
the, the plan is consistent with what was adopted under Measure B. So that was incorporated into the uh, Measure AAA strategic plan. Next, please. Um, so again, uh, the town board released the draft strategic plan uh, on June 22nd for the required 30-day public notice. Uh, the public comment period ended on July 22nd. Uh, as of today, we received one comment letter from Marine Conservation Lead. That letter was not included in the original packet, but it was circulated to you in the supplemental packet. Next. Uh, so upon adoption of the strategic plan, we will post it. We will uh, share that with our local agency and stakeholder. Uh, and the allocation that's based on the strategic plan and also in the uh, fiscal year 24 budget uh, can be seen under item 5B for the Measure A local infrastructure for, uh, funding and also for under item 8B for marine transit's requests for operation and capital. So with that, next please. Uh, thank you. And I'll be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Dave, for that report. Any commissioner questions? Commissioner Kong? Thank you. Great report. Um, you had mentioned that there was a reserve for Measure A that is not expended. Could you speak to how that relates to Measure AA and what happens to those reserve dollars? Uh, certainly. There was a policy that was established under Measure AA whereby we would set aside uh, a, a, a small amount for reserve fund on an annual basis for up to five years first five years, and because Measure AA now is winding down. Uh, measure A. Measure A okay. is winding down. The TAM board also established a policy to release back those that were collected at the same ratio, a one-to-one -one ratio for the new Measure AA reserve that's being collected. So on an annual basis, when we collect Measure AA reserve funds, we release the same amount of Measure A that was collected years ago. Okay. And we made that available by percentage to each of the uh, strategy under Measure AA. So that will continue for another year, I believe, another year after this. And then we would have caught up what, what was collected from Measure A. Okay. And do those have to be expended by a certain time? Uh, they do not have to be. Well, they will be allocated. Uh, they will be allocated on an annual basis, but they uh, there's no timeline okay. on when they have to be expended. Okay. Thank you. I'm curious. You mentioned that the only comment was from the Marine Conservation League, and I missed seeing that. Could you summarize what their comments were? Okay. Uh, certainly, we received a, a, a letter from Marine Conservation League on July 22nd. Uh, they basically, uh, I guess in summary, they thought that the strategic plan under Measure A and AA, um, I guess I could say what's uh, pretty good, but could be better. And the area that can be better is that they are advocating TAM to place more emphasis on funding electric vehicle, electric vehicle infrastructure project. And uh, that's the kind of the overall theme of the letter. They 
feel that there are areas that TAM can uh, provide more funding to EV, uh, EV projects in general. Okay. And where, where would I find the letter? Um, there's a 250 page agenda tonight. Is it somewhere in there? Or? So the letter was received after we sent out the original packet. So we forwarded it to all of the commissioners with the supplemental materials, which I believe were sent out yesterday morning. And okay. they're also it's also posted on our website. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. okay. Any additional commissioner comments, uh, questions here in the room? Any online? Oh, sorry. Mr. Rice? Yeah, thank you. Um, a a follow-up to that question, and I'm, I'm thinking there's probably a, a speaker that will speak during public time on this, on the MCL letter and um, the request uh, to and suggestion that the strategic plan should include more emphasis on how TAM and Measure AA funding um, is it can address the impacts of, uh, of can address climate change, uh, GHG reduction, and otherwise. So, just to if you could amplify, I guess there's a two part question here. One, um, does the strategic plan, this strategic plan, which I don't even really want to call it, it's really a strategic allocation plan, is it prescriptive to the point of um, uh, um, hampering our ability to um, fund projects through various programs that do uh, are addressing climate change in one form or another. And then secondly, um, I would ask um, if it is restrictive that way, are there going to be opportunities in the future to amend the expenditure plan and therefore the strategic plan Toward, towards putting a greater emphasis on um, in using Measure A dollars to impact or to address climate change? Well, um, what I can say is that um, as far as opportunity for make changes, that's going to come around rather quickly. Um, we will commence the Measure A expenditure uh, plan review process uh, next year to be adopted in 2025. So there's going to be an opportunity coming just around the corner in 2024 when we start this process and uh, everything will be discussed uh, similar to what we did with Measure B, where uh, recommended changes will be brought forward before the TAM board, but there is that opportunity coming around. And so with that opportunity, the strategic plan will follow and will uh, follow what will be adopted under the measure a, a, a expenditure plan. Okay, perfect. And so, Anne, maybe you can even restate that because this is this is a little bit of a different kind of strategic plan. It actually is informed by the expenditure plan, which was a, a voter adopted. That, that's exactly right, Commissioner. And so, just as a reminder, um, David showed the pie chart that kind of sets out the expenditure categories in Measure AA. And those percentages were fixed in the expenditure plan. So uh, we as staff and as the board are not at liberty to change around the percentages of those categories, except through this expenditure plan review process, which um, is scheduled to happen after six years of um, Measure AA, so 2024-ish. Um, and uh, that, that process is actually prescribed, so it needs to go through the board and the local jurisdictions. So it's a pretty extensive review um, having said that, it is also worth reminding that about three quarters of the categories in 
Um, the expenditure plan uh, are aimed at uh, reducing solo driving. So transit you know, receives over half the funds, uh, school programs, almost 12%. Uh, the, even the streets and roads category uh, definitely allows for local jurisdictions to use those funds for um, EV supportive facilities, bike and ped facilities, green infrastructure. Um, so a lot of the measure already does allow for those kinds of projects. And uh, I believe in the 2021 strategic plan, we added a policy um, element encouraging uh, emission reductions and greenhouse gas emission reductions um, as well. So we are continually kind of up updating the policies in the strategic plan as we're able. But in terms of the expenditure plan itself, we are not able to make those changes except through the review process. Commissioner Lucan. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, and the, the letter also just spoke to uh, better targeting barriers to widespread EV adoption, uh, accelerating public charging infrastructure. Um, I thought it might be good if you can touch on uh, TAM's role with the County of Marin and some of the different stakeholders in this grant that's being pursued uh, that would essentially accomplish just that if we're successful uh, might be good for the public to know. Sure, Commissioner Lucan. Um, so I think the grant you're referring to is the CFI, Charging and Fueling Infrastructure Grant, which is through the funded through the Federal Infrastructure Bill. And um, just last month, I think it was just last month, the county submitted an application uh, to that program for some funding that would really do um, deep planning around the county for uh, locations of charging equipment, um, identifying barriers, particularly in low-income communities, and uh, trying to identify how to overcome those barriers. And uh, TAM was a partner on that project application, um, so hopefully that funding will be coming through. It's also worth noting that um, there are other funding sources now that are kind of more of a factor in um, the EV and transportation electrification world, I think, uh, far more than there used to be. So in addition to that CFI grant, um, MCE has received uh, at least one grant from the Department of Energy for kind of similar EV um, charging and planning work throughout their service area. And MTC expects to roll out a transportation electrification grant program by the end of the year as well. So while TAM's funding sources have you know, played a large role in the past and have really provided some fantastic seed funding, um, it now looks like uh, other parties, other uh, government agencies are also stepping forward with even larger uh, amounts of grant funding. So uh, hopefully Marin will be successful in um, those fields as well. I appreciate that. And I think it shows the coordination with all the agencies, TAM, County of Marin, Marin Clean Energy, Marin Transit, whoever it is, um, rather than duplicating work, we're coordinating in this case. The county is the lead agency, but TAM is providing resources, staff time to it. So uh, it just shows the coordination that that happens here. And I think that's a, a key component of all of our work. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lucan. Seeing no uh, additional commissioner comments. Jennifer, any public comment online? Yes. Um, Kate Powers, please unmute. Good evening, commissioners, and thank you for the opportunity to comment. Um, yes, MCL has been advocating um, since 2017 on strategic plans, on expenditure plan renewal for Measure A, A um, for um, budgets and um, for the by yearly um, 
strategic plans that greenhouse gas emission reduction um, needs to be more intentionally um, expressed and um, there needs to be measurement on how we're achieving the county's goals and the state's goals in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Um, in 2021, due to um, significant environmental um, advocacy, the goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions was added to the um, sales tax expenditure plan. But it, to our to our mind, it hasn't been realized on, uh, um, under subsequent planning documents, and it hasn't been well, well integrated. We're asking that you take a bold step and look at other funding sources, not taking from the donut um, chart and making this a zero-sum game, but looking at the possibility of using future reserve funds, interest on unspent funds, not not the funds themselves, but interest that's accumulated over time, or when we when the sales tax exceeds a certain percentage of cost of living or or whatever the correct terminology is, dedicating some more money to greenhouse gas emission reduction and commitment to the biggest sector of greenhouse gas emissions in the county, reducing it. And the last thing I just wanted to say, I applaud um, what Tam has done so Thank far. Thank you, Kate. Um, We're gonna ask you to wrap up your comments, please. Okay. I just think performance metrics are key to looking at the other sector's efficiency and effectiveness and also helping to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Thanks Thank for you. your consideration. We will bring it back. Oh, sorry, Jennifer, any additional public comment? I don't see any additional hands raised at this time. Great, we'll bring it back here for commissioner comments. I'm not seeing anyone. Dave, good job. Uh, would anyone care to offer a motion? I'll make uh, the motion to, are we adopting the strategic plan? Yes. We're doing? I'll make the motion to adopt the um, measure AA strategic plan and then also appreciate um, uh, the public commenters comments and the letter from MCL and um, think the point is well made and well taken and I think it, it's something we need to be thinking about uh, expanding that reach and also what is the role that TAM plays in terms of monitoring uh, infusing energy momentum into the overall um, uh, transportation um, contribution to GHGs and and because there is no one really doing that, no entity doing doing that. And should TAM be taking a more intentional and leadership role on that front? And um, I think it's worth a conversation whether it fits in to a strategic plan and or a revision in this expenditure plan or in some other fashion. I think it's, um, I'm glad that the subject's been raised. Thank you. I'll second. That was a motion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> a very long motion. Yeah. It was a well-crafted and it was a well-crafted future-proofing kind of motion. It'll be coming back to us on its agenda item. We've got a fabulous first motion by Commissioner Rice and a not so great second by Commissioner Carmen. <laughs> Jennifer, can we get a roll call, please? Commissioner, Commissioner Carmel? <laughs> yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. 
Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Farrakh? Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Moulton Peters? Yes. Commissioner Ravazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Rodoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Vice Chair Lucan? Yes. Chair Colbert? Yes. That passes unanimously. Thank you, Jennifer. Move on. We'll now move on to agenda item number seven, 2023 Measure B Vehicle Registration Fee Strategic Plan. And as with agenda item six, we will lead off with 7A, the public hearing on the draft 2023 Measure B Vehicle Registration Fee Strategic Plan. Since the draft strategic plan was posted on TAM's website on June 23rd, 2023, for the required 30-day public inspection and a public comment notification was published on June 23rd, 23, we are having a public hearing to provide further opportunity for comments. Therefore, I am opening the public hearing. Following the hearing, the board will consider adoption of the 2023 Measure B Vehicle Registration Fee Strategic Plan. I'm now opening the hearing. Jennifer, do we have any public comment from within the chamber or online? Chair, I don't see any hands raised at this time. Thank you, Jennifer. I will now close the hearing. We will move on to item 7B, adoption of the draft 2023 Measure B Vehicle Registration Fee Strategic Plan. This is an action item. Dave. Yes. Are you still with us? I'm here. <laughs> Take it away. I'm going to continue with this presentation, a, a little shorter presentation on Measure B Strategic Plan. Uh, next slide. There you go. Uh, a little background information. Uh, the Measure B uh, was approved by voter back in 2010. And uh, the, okay, sorry. Um, the Measure B expenditure plan under, underwent a uh, review process uh, early last year. And the review process concluded when the TAM board adopted the the amended Measure B expenditure plan in February of 2023 of this year. Um, like the Measure AAA, the Measure uh, B expenditure plan called for the development of a Measure B strategic plan. Next. Uh, this chart you see, as you may be aware, as a uh, breakdown Measure B into three uh, element. Element one, 40% goes to uh, bicycle, pedestrian, and pathway maintenance. 35% goes to uh, transit for senior and people with disability. And 25% goes to element three to reduce congestion and pollution. And the element three is broken down by uh, three sub element uh, that includes crossing guard, commute alternative, and alternative fuel infrastructure and promotion. Next. Um, the really the most critical role of the Measure B strategic plan is the discussion of the three uh, element and uh, what each element is eligible for in funding and how much uh, each element will receive in the next 10 years. Uh, an, an estimate of 2.3 million is projected to be collected annually under Measure B. Uh, measure B, as you may recall, is based on vehicle registration in Marine County. So, the fund is very steady and it really fluctuates uh, very little from year to year. But having said that, I uh, wanted to say also that uh, while the funds are steady, the, the, the buying power will diminish over time. Um, so the amended 
2023 Measure B expenditure plan uh, include a very modest change from the 2010 Measure B expenditure plan. Next. But there are changes and some of the notable changes uh, found under element 1.1. Uh, this again gets 35% of the share and the fundings are, uh, are distributed under a formula of 50% population and 50% lane mile. Uh, however, uh, the fund under element 1.1 are no longer made available for the traditional local streets and road project. Now the funds are made uh, to fund bike path and safety improvement projects. So that's, uh, that's the big change from the last expenditure plan. Uh, the funds will be allocated on an estimated five years of revenue uh, because we obviously haven't collected five years of revenue. Uh, they will be reimbursed on a schedule based on the readiness of the project. So element 1.2, this is money they get, uh, element 1.2 gets 5% of the funds. It is used for pathway maintenance. Uh, that hasn't changed, but now the TAM board uh, under the amended Measure B strategic plan, uh, expenditure plan, now has a discretion to redirect carryover of 250,000 to any countywide pathway planning, maintenance, or construction needs. Uh, the reason for this is because uh, we typically have carryover that we keep, and instead of keeping that carryover in our coffer, uh, we have made the provision to allow the town board to redirect that fund. Uh, to a, again, to a countywide pathway planning project, construction, or uh, other needs. So we will return at a later date uh, with the option for some of, uh, uh, to fund some of the carryover fund. Next. Um, there's no changes for element two or element three. Uh, while there was a discussion, a long discussion on a proposal to, uh, assign a fixed percentage of, for each of the three sub-element. Uh, ultimately, the decision was made to maintain element three as is with no fixed percentage for each element to maintain flexibility. Um, and, and so essentially element two and three remain the same as you know it under the 2010 expenditure plan or strategic plan. Um, again, once again, the Measure B expenditure plan was amended to allow the board to uh, authorize review on the structure of the COC and allow for changes when necessary. That was also included. And then lastly, um, performance metrics was included for each element and sub-element, and uh, the performance metrics are intended to gauge how well they meet the goals of Measure B. Uh, they were developed and reviewed by COC and also the funding recipient. And these uh, performance metrics will be included in each funding agreement so that the sponsor know uh, what they are supposed to monitor and what they are supposed to produce at a project completion. Next slide, please. Uh, a little bit about the COC membership. As I mentioned earlier, this was developed back in 2004. Uh, in order to review the CLC structure for uh, changes, uh, the TAM board under the Measure B expenditure plan review allow adjustment to the CLC uh, membership structure when necessary. Uh, this this direction is also recognized in the uh, 
the draft 2023 Measure B strategic plan, and also, as I mentioned earlier, in the Measure AAA strategic plan, so that they're consistent with both documents. Next, please. So, uh, uh, once again, we released a, a public comment period back in June 22nd. Uh, the public comment period ends on July 22nd, and the only public comment we received was the MCL letter that we previously discussed. Uh, next. Uh, so upon adoption of the strategic plan, we will post it on our website. We will communicate the, the plan to local agency and stakeholder. And uh, immediately after that, you will see allocation requests from uh, Element 1.1 for uh, bicycle pedestrian safety project under item nine, and you will see uh, uh, Marin Transit para, uh, Marin Transit's request for paratransit service under item 8C. That's please, and that concludes my presentation. Thank you, Dave. Any commissioner questions? Commissioner Collins. Thank you, Dave. On, I, I'm delighted to see that performance metrics have been added. Um, sometimes the way that, that the data that gets collected works in terms of looking at the performance, and sometimes it doesn't. So my question is this, could there be a time period that we would come back to see how, how is it performing? And I know it's said annually, so maybe it's in a year. We, we look at the data that's being captured and is it informing it us the way we want it to? Uh, but, I, but I think to actually be deliberate and strategic about coming back because we don't want all the years to go by and say, oh, we weren't really capturing what we wanted. Well, there's there's an opportunity for that because uh, measure the strategic plan gets updated periodically. Okay. And when we collect the data, uh, we'll, we'll examine the data, see uh, how well the data match with whether or not they're meeting the goals of measure uh, B. And if changes are recommended, we can bring that back under the next time we do a strategic plan update and uh, modify those performance metrics. Uh, we would typically do them you know, in, in concert with the project sponsor, have a conversation with the public works director, see what's reasonable, because sometimes we ask them to collect data and they will let us know whether or not that's reasonable, right. or if it's too onerous, or mm -hmm. that's something they can do. And so we would like to have that conversation uh, what the public works director when that happens. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Moulton Peters. Thank you. I want to follow up on that comment and appreciate um, our executive director, Ann Richmond, for her work on reworking element one of Measure B to allow for more funding to go to bicycle and pedestrian improvements. I think that was a really great move on your part, very strategic. We never seem to have enough money for these facilities. So thank you for doing that. And then I want to appreciate the COC chair, Debbie Alley, who uh, introduced the idea of the metrics uh, for Measure B. And I, I think she was very wise to do that. And I appreciate your comments, Director Collin, on let's make sure that those are the right metrics and revise them if they're not. So anyway, thank you for two notable changes in this plan this year. Thank you. Commissioner Redoni? Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for the presentation. Um, help me if I'm looking at this correctly. The notable changes, element 1.2, seems to restrict the carryover funds to only being used for element one and two and not crossing guards or alternative fuels, et cetera. And I just, that's the way I'm reading it anyway. 
Maybe you can explain if that's true. And if that's the case, why is that? Got it. It's, it's referring to redirect carryovers to countywide pathway planning, maintenance, or construction needs. So, Commissioner, I, I can take a stab at this. Um, so, each of the elements, one, two, and three in Measure B, um, uh, has a provision that carryover funds stay within that element. Um, the distinction with element 1.2 was that because those funds are allocated sort of for annual maintenance needs on certain pathways, sometimes an agency may not use it all or uh, they may be delayed. And so there's a carryover that accumulates. And in the previous expenditure plan, the board actually had no way to designate the use of those carryover funds. So they just accumulated. So the um, the only difference now is that uh, when uh, the board considered the expenditure plan back in February, they added a provision giving the board discretion to actually assign those carryover funds to any eligible pathway use. So it does stay within element one, um, just as the carryover funds for element two stay in element two and carryover funds for element three stay in element three. So it's the same kind of approach. It just kind of fine tunes some of the um, the language specific to element 1.2 that wasn't really very clear um, in the previous expenditure plan. Okay, thank you. Commissioner uh, Yeah, yes, thank you. And thank you for your report and all your work on this. Um, because this is a smaller fund and subject to inflationary pressures, I'm wondering what the recommendation would be if we as a group decided that it was more important or, or very important to continue to fund an increasing crossing guard program. I know a number of us were disappointed in the cuts from last year and just wondering where can we allocate or how can we allocate more funds to that program? So, um, Couple couple responses to that. So one is the crossing guard program is funded both out of measure B element three and out of measure AA. So it receives funding from both those sources and the measure AA funds do change from year to year more tied to the economy. So um, they have actually increased in the last few years. Costs have gone up as well. So uh, the buying power may not yield more, but at least it doesn't yield less. Um, the flexibility within element three among those three subcategories, crossing guards, marine commutes, and the alternative fuels program is where the board has discretion to change that, that distribution um, should they desire to do so. So um, that could happen uh, from the board's direction. Typically, that would be through the budget process um, and through the strategic plan process. What time of year is that? Early in the summer? Uh, the budget typically is brought to the board uh, for approval in June. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Lucan? Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, just a quick question on the, the change to element 1.2. So you'll be coming back to this board um, with some more details about how we would use the carryover funds that, that have currently accumulated. Um, I, I know that I, I believe within the current 1.2, it's only on pathways that have been opened since 2008 correct is does that mean that the use of carryover funds would would have to follow that same policy or would we be able to use the carryover funds or maybe at a future board uh, meeting to determine if we'd want to use that on older pathways I, let me clarify that so you're right 2008 class one pathway opened since 2008 that's the 
current policy, um, can we, I guess we can, we never thought about that. I think we'd have to go back and actually look at the language and the expenditure okay. plan. I think that the, the concept was to be able to use those carryover funds for any um, pathway maintenance construction related need, but I think we'd have to go back and look at whether the, that 2008 year is applicable to the use of the carryover funds. Mm -hmm in addition to the kind of regular annual funding. Okay. Yeah, maybe you can, I, I think that might be one of the contributing factors to why we do have the carryover that we do. Um, I think local jurisdictions might be, there might be more interest if they can use it on some older pathways that maybe are in need of, of greater maintenance or clearing. Um, so it'd be a good discussion for us to, to bring back. I, I would also point out that there's been requests from some of the city to consider using the funds for class four. Mm -hmm. Because currently it's listed as class one open since 2008, and there's not any clarity on whether or not class four can be eligible. And uh, there are a couple of sponsors in the uh, local agency that's asked us to consider that. Okay. Uh, and that's something that we might bring back as well. I, I think that'd be good. And, and do you think there's um, a requirement for a local match, or that would be something that we would consider when it comes back to the board too? If, yeah, I think we will have to consider that later. Okay. Uh, we have to look at the funding and what the request might be and what we might open it up to, and that will be considered at that time. Sounds good. Thank you. Commissioner Carroll? I'm curious, is there a master map or list of the bike paths and which jurisdictions they fall under? We do have it, yeah. Can I get a copy of that? We please? certainly can make that available. And do you keep... Uh, I don't know how to phrase this and be politically correct. I will try. I don't want to embarrass some of the cities, but and, and I'm just curious if there's an overall picture of what the current maintenance practices are versus what I'm sure there's some recommended ideal, you know, percentage dollars spent on um, maintenance. Because I noticed, like, for instance, I walk a lot unfortunately this last month i had a power steering issue so i was walking back and forth between larkspur and my mechanic in san rafael along the bike path and quite frequently this last month much to my dismay and about six times and about three of the times i found like broken bottles on the bike path and it, it just was struck me you know who do i call to go have someone clean it up because I don't want to brush it into the creek. I might hit a rower going underneath or something. And I just, it struck me. I wouldn't have no idea who to contact for that particular segment. And I'm just curious, is there some consolidated set of information that's the standards and who takes care of what sections, et cetera? Mm. Well, well, I mean, the, the funds from this particular source go to a certain set of pathways, and we can definitely let you know, you know, which uh, which pathways those are and which agencies um, have responsibility for them. If you're asking about sort of countywide, um, who owns what segment of roadway or pathway, I mean, we do have some of that information on our website. Uh, there's a bike um, bike facility map on the TAM website, and uh, there was a lot of detail in the North-South Greenway uh, report that we provided last month as well. 
Um, but if there are, you know, specific sections that you're most interested in, we can certainly uh, work with you to try to figure out the answers. Well, I think what I guess I'm getting to is I'm wondering if there isn't um, a way to look at it that there might be cost savings um, in maintenance on some of these uh, bike paths, particularly keeping them clean, you know, from broken glass and debris and the rest of it. If there might be a consult, you know, giving the county responsibility over some of the city bike paths, et cetera, is it? I'm thinking in terms of I'm trying to remember where I think it was in Portland or Seattle, where they have a machine that specifically fits cleaning bike paths. It's designed to keep bike paths clean, and I'm wondering if there would be a cost savings in buying that equipment and sharing it in the county or you know, if there's a way to come up with a more coordinated way to maintain these uh, bike paths. That's my concern. That is definitely something we'd be interested in exploring with the jurisdictions. We've actually talked to a couple of them about this sweeper device that um, I've heard about also that is kind of sized to fit paths and whether there's a possibility to have one in the county that a number of jurisdictions would be able to have access to. So, you know, if there's interest among uh, the local agencies in exploring that, we would uh, definitely be um, interested as well. Yeah, I just wanted to um, offer some information to Director Carroll. I think your points are well taken. We've always uh, been focused on building the bike facilities more than maintaining them. And Tam had one of the only uh, specified uh, pots of money to maintain them. Uh, but your your city uh, uh, waste hauler often has the contract for street sweeping as well. So um, that's one place to go. I agree that a countywide effort uh, would be a good one in standards. I don't really think they exist for bike facilities. But uh, in concert with what our director was saying, it, it is true. I know the county is looking at one of those specialized bike sweepers, and I've suggested that we consider bringing this up at the public works managers department meeting so that they can all consider whether they'd like to pitch in and maybe have a couple, one for the North, one for the South and share them. So I encourage all of us to go back to our public works directors uh, with this kind of discussion and see if we can't together with Tam get something going that's a little more organized than the kind of um, you know inconsistent practices that I think are out there. So thanks for bringing it up, Tam. No more commissioner comments. Do we have any public comments online, Jennifer? Yes, um, Matthew Hartzell, please unmute. Uh, thank you, Jennifer, and thank you, Dave, for your report. This is Matt Hartzell, Director of Planning at WTB TAM, and I just want to um, bounce off this this last conversation that the com several commissioners have been having about the importance of maintenance. I know that most of the time, most of the attention is on capital. But maintenance of pathways really is important. If we want people to be not be leaving their cars at home and riding the pathways, they need to feel that they're comfortable, that they're clean, that they're safe, that there's not broken glass on them. And so I do want to, yes, um, applaud Tam's decision to use these carryover funds for maintenance. And I also want to echo Commissioner Lucan's comments on looking at changing some of the language to allow that 
funding to be used for maintenance of pathways built prior to 2008 because we do have pathway segments that are that date to prior to 2008. Some of them date to the 1970s and they're in very poor state of repair. I'm thinking specifically of several segments of the smart pathway in Commissioner Lucan's um, city of Novato. Um, the segment between Frosty Lane and Hannah Ranch Road in particular that goes through the Highway 37 interchange is in terrible poor state of repair. Uh, very few families would feel comfortable with their kids riding on it. And yet it is a segment in the smart pathway that once these smart segments are built and smart is building them right now, um, the, these old 1970 segments are still going to be there. And smart's not dealing with them because it's not part of their jurisdiction. So I would definitely encourage you to change the language to allow these funds to be used for maintenance on pathway segments going all the way back to the 1970s. There's others too, Franklin Avenue in Novato, the Pacheco Hill Path um, in Marinwood. Um, also, I think using these funds for class four is a good idea. And I also support the county looking at the pathway. Thank you, Matthew. Can you please Thank wrap you. it up? The pathway cleaning machines that Commissioner Carroll mentioned and the sweepers for class four, because a lot of public works directors say the reason okay, Matthew, class thank four you. is because it's hard to clean. Thanks. Any additional public comment? I don't see any additional public comments at this time. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. Let's bring it back. Any commissioner comments? No. Well, I will say we had some really interesting commentary during the questions. So I look forward to the, the sweeping uh, conversation as it develops. Looks I, like it is well placed. Oh, sorry. Sir, no, I, I move adoption of the Measure B vehicle registration fee strategic plan. Okay, I'm going to second that and hope that I get a better review this time. All right. That was nice a job, Urban. <laughs> got a first by Molten Peters and a scintillating second. Right out of Mill Valley by Commissioner Carmel. Jennifer, the roll, please. Commissioner Carmel? <laughs> yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Farrakh? Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Malton Peters? Yes. Commissioner Ravazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Rodoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Vice Chair Lucan? I was convinced by the seconder of the motion, so yes. Chair Colbert? I am most definitely a laughing yes. That passes unanimously. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll move on to item eight. Um, fiscal year 2023-2024 Marin Transit Funding Allocation. We move on to item A, Marin Transit's annual presentation. This is the discussion. Presentation will be led by Nancy Whelan, General Manager of Marin Transit. Welcome, Nancy. There we are. Thanks. Thank you. Um, good evening, Chair Colbert and Commissioners. I'm very pleased to be with you tonight for our annual Marin Transit Report. And Jennifer, if you can uh, queue up the slides and move us along. If you the next slide, please. Um, tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about the highlights from last year. Uh, fiscal year 22-23 and then move into 23-24 and what we've got in the way of our budget as well as the five categories that are funded through Measure A, -A um, and then conclude with our uh, allocation request from both Measure A, A, -A and Measure B. And so let's turn to the highlights and you can go two slides there, Jennifer. Next slide. Yeah. 
So we um, we ended the year in June with a lot of great news, and you've heard one of our big news items, which was the award of a $31.5 million. It's missing an M in this little uh, slide here, I noticed, but there is a million-dollar grant award for the facility that you already heard about. Um, and then earlier in the month, uh, the state legislature and the governor approved money for transit, primarily for transit agencies who are facing a fiscal cliff. So that was some big news. And then uh, lastly, in June, we um, implemented a number of service changes on our fixed route program, which I'll talk a little bit about tonight. Um, and then earlier in the year, we were awarded an OBAG grant, uh, which uh, your board approved, in fact. And um, throughout the year, we continue to have a strong rider retention, uh, as well as continuing to have some near-term fiscal stability. Next slide, please. So I know that you all know we are responsible for planning and providing local public transit within Marin County. Um, we offer a variety of services through four different contractors. So in 22, 23 had four different contractors. They're shown by their uh, logos here by, by the service types that we operate. I think one of the most important things to take away from this slide is that we, in the little gray boxes that we're showing the percentage share of ridership that uh, each service type offers and 65% of our total ridership is on the local fixed route service. So that is, you know, the lion's share of everything we do is really under, under that banner. So um, we, uh, yeah, let me go talk a little bit more about ridership on the next slide. And um, our ridership is strong. And until recently we had the highest percent of uh, pre-COVID ridership of all the Bay Area transit operators. And only recently has SMART knocked us from our, our position there, which we're really pleased that, that it is our partner here um, in Marin and Sonoma. But uh, we this chart is from February. I do have a more recent one and, and we are higher than the 81% shown here with a dark blue bar. This compares us across all the, the transit agencies. And um, we were in continuous operation during the pandemic. So our riders who depend on our services didn't have to find an alternative. We think that's one of the reasons that we retain so many riders. And it, I mean, they are transit dependent, but even so, we, we really were able to step up and, and provide all that service. Um, generally, we've averaged about 90% over 12 months. It's been declining a little bit into the high 80s, but we're about 80% of pre-COVID. Next slide, please, Jennifer. Um, Looking at the raw ridership numbers, um, Marin Transit had just over 200,000 riders in February. We are that little little 200,000 that's down there among all of the Bay Area operators. We're right uh, in, in lockstep there with the county connection in, in Contra Costa County and slightly ahead of, of Golden Gate. So that gives you a sense of uh, the fact that we do still carry about 2.7 million riders per year. Next slide, please. The pandemic did cause significant ridership declines for many transit agencies, though, and I know you know this is all in the news, uh, and those agencies have not recovered their ridership uh, and, and they're dependent. Those are typically the, the agencies that are dependent on fares <clears throat> for a large source of their revenue, and they are at the greatest risk of uh, near-term deficits, and that those deficits have been characterized as the fiscal cliff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the Bay Area... Uh, in the Bay Area, BART and San Francisco Muni are the entities that have seen the greatest fiscal impacts and are facing service cuts in the next year or so if, um, if no funding solution were to emerge. Uh, gladly, the, again, the state legislature has stepped in a bit and, and we expect to see some of that um, be addressed by, by those funds. 
Um, many of our suburban transit operators, though, just by comparison, like, like us, uh, are less fare dependent, and our ridership has shown greater recovery, as I mentioned before, and our fiscal cliff does lie further into the future. And we project that we're going to be in relatively stable condition for about the next five years. Next slide, please. So moving to fiscal year 23-24 and to our our budget, <clears throat> um, we have a $43.8 million revenue budget. And Measure AA, as I'm sure you know, that the sales tax is the district's largest source of revenue. It's shown there in that lime green color to the right. Um, Measure AA funds come to us in, in the five different sub-strategies with specific requirements under each of those uh, percentage allocation shares. And I'll review the Measure AA contributions to each strategy as I go further into the presentation. The next uh, largest share of funding comes from the state in the form of state transit assistance uh, in the blue, which is in that blue uh, bar there. And then also the Transportation Deve Transit Development Act TDA funds. And those together, uh, those state sources are about 30% of our, our operational revenues. Um, one of the most interesting things for us is that uh, federal funds for operations have been typically limited. And this year, our district has no more federal relief funds. So when we showed you this chart previously, we were up to, I think, about 16%, 18% from federal funds. But we have now, um, we, we no longer have those. We've expended all those funds, which is causing us to rely much more on the Measure AA funds. We also have about 8% of the district revenue comes from fares. And that's been fairly consistent for some time. There are significant fluctuations in revenues, um, particularly some of the state revenues and even the local revenues, but the underlying revenues remain consistent. And what I mean by that is that there were a number of carryovers. I think Dave kind of talked about this in earlier presentations. There are carryovers and some uh, projections that were underprojected, And so uh, it, it was a little bit uh, dicey to, to, to sort through that. But overall, the, the state we do have stable funding sources, particularly because of Measure AA. Uh, next slide, Jennifer. Great. Okay, this bar chart shows our Measure AA expenditures um, pre-COVID and post-COVID for each of the sub-strategies. So the five strategies, each of the five strategies has a, a color to this bar. Uh, federal funds, as I mentioned before, the federal relief funds, that is, uh, reduced the need for Measure AA funds during the pandemic. And we have fully expended all of those funds. So you can see there that in fiscal year 21, fiscal 2021, we dropped way down on, on our Measure A expenditures. Uh, further down in 22, stayed fairly low last year. And then this year, our budget at the last bar to the right there shows that we are returning to kind of pre-COVID level expenditures, plus some expenditures of the carry forward funds uh, in school transportation and in the special needs category. So. Um, moving on then, uh, Jennifer, next slide. Uh, on the expense side of our budget, we're a 40, for, for fiscal year 23-24, our budget is $43.2 million in expenditures. The largest share of our expenditures, no surprise, go to our contracted service. We call it purchase transportation. There are two, two green bars there, the dark green and then the lime green. That's One is for our mostly fixed route. The other is for our paratransit programs. So those are you know, line share of our, our expenditures. The next largest is, is fuel. And so we are always uh, challenged with trying to project fuel costs. 
but um, that's 8%. And then the rest of it is for largely for administrative expenses. We do have a small share in there for regional paratransit, which is uh, the service that we offer. Actually, we do in conjunction with Golden Gate. We provide regional paratransit services as a part of our contract, and they essentially pay us for that. So uh, next slide. For fixed route operations, I'm just going to go through each of the, the uh, different sub-strategies fairly quickly here. Our local services, I mentioned that's really the workhorse of our operation. Uh, we have about $27.6 million budgeted for this coming year, and 45% of that, uh, the, the cost of that service is funded through Measure A and Measure AA. We are seeing increased costs for purchase transportation services, that is our contracts, mostly because of labor rates. Uh, a 7% increase in fuel is what we're projecting. This year, one of the changes that we have before us is that we have only two of our two operators, two contractors for our fixed route service. That's Golden Gate and Marin Airporter. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the service adjustments. So those are some of the, the highlights. So in um, 2023, we are making major service changes, or we made major service changes, excuse me, in June. And the need for the changes was really threefold. Uh, first, over the past year, we've been experiencing driver shortages. I'm sure you've heard about that, uh, that have caused more late and missed service than we've ever experienced. And <clears throat> additionally, traffic congestion has increased to pre-pandemic levels, which requires our schedules to be adjusted. And third, uh, Golden Gate Transit has reduced some bus service that uh, we needed to replace for local transit service, <clears throat> for, for local transit users, excuse me. And while we made changes to 12 of the 24 routes, our focus was to minimize impacts on riders. We decreased about 2% of our service, which is measured by service hours, but we were able to reduce the need for bus drivers <clears throat> by becoming more efficient. So we really reduced the number of what we call peak vehicle pullouts or the number of buses that we needed. And therefore we could just use our drivers more efficiently. Next slide. <clears throat> we made changes to schedules and routes, all of which are summarized here in this table. By changing the alignment of some cer of certain routes, uh, we were able to provide a replacement for the routes we were eliminating. So you can see on a column there, we did cancel certain routes, but we also showed how that those uh, routes could be replaced with other services. And we did that typically because we changed the alignments. Overall, again, our riders would be able to make the same trips, although some trips um, may now require a transfer or they may be less, less frequent. Next slide. And then uh, the next sub-strategy is rural service, and that's about a $2.7 million budget. These are the routes that serve West Marin in the, what we call our stagecoach. It's now being operated by Marin Airporter. That's one of the changes that came into effect on July 1. Uh, and about 38% of the costs of this service are funded through Measure A and Measure AA. Next slide. Okay, changing up to uh, Marin Access. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Okay. So in 22-23, this is what our, our Marine Access program looked like. It, Marine Access is the umbrella under which we operate uh, special services for older adults and people with disabilities. Uh, but some of the select services have been available to the general public. The red box at the top there is the ADA mandated. Oh, thank you. You got the, yeah, great. <laughs> um, the ADA mandated paratransit service, which is provided uh, as a pre-scheduled service to eligible ADA users. 
the orange box below that um, shows the programs that are above and beyond the ADA. Uh, so they do include eligibility requirements, but um, they are again above and beyond what ADA requirements are. And then, and that includes our volunteer driver catch a ride program, travel training and, and fare assistance. And then in the green box, those are services that have been available to the general public, including our on-demand service called uh, Marine Transit Connect and then Dial-A-Ride and primarily it's Novato Dial-A-Ride. So that's what it'll look like in 22-23. Um, we saw though um, that Marine Access was facing some key challenges. Next slide, sorry. Um, some were surfacing before the pandemic and uh, were exacerbated by it. Unlike the fixed threat service, our Marine Access ridership has not recovered since the pandemic and costs are not leveling off even with the reduced demand. Uh, similar to fixed route, however, labor shortages, reduced service reliability, uh, resulting in very long wait times for, for trips. So um, the many and varied programs as well, we had, as you saw from the previous slide, we had a lot of different programs, could be confusing to riders, and it also spread our resources pretty thin. Um, additionally, some of our contracts were expiring in, in June. Um, so next slide. What we did in terms of changes, we're addressing them, the, the challenges, by uh, doing several things. Uh, we made changes on July 1st that were focused on streamlining the programs and enhancing the services for most riders. Uh, first, there are no changes to the ADA-mandated paratransit service, so that's both our local and regional paratransit service. The big change is to expand and improve the Catch-A-Ride program by offering both a paper voucher that can be used on taxis and um, or a digital voucher for use on Uber rides. The program is available to Marin residents who are 65 years and older or ADA eligible riders. This change will replace the Novato Dial-A-Ride and the Connect program. So those two programs were canceled but replaced with Catch-A-Ride. And lastly, we increased the volunteer driver uh, reimbursement rate to 70 cents per mile. Again, that's one of our most cost-effective programs, so uh, it was definitely worth the, the investment there. These changes, uh, along with the increases that we made to wage rates with our contractors, uh, are intended to stabilize the ADA-mandated paratransit program, to focus programs and services on the populations most in need, and to improve service reliability. And I will say that we are starting to see that um, some changes, some really good changes in terms of our service reliability there. So next slide, please. And then in terms of the, the funding for the Marine Access Program, it's a $7.8 million a year budget for this coming year. And Measure A and Measure B both fund this program for, um, and the total there is about 50% of uh, this, the budget is funded through these sources. Next slide. All right, and then the last, uh, not the last, second to last of our programs, our sub-strategies is school service. Major AA helps fund our fixed route services to middle and high schools. Uh, those are called supplemental school routes. There are 600 series routes. It also funds five yellow bus programs in the county. This year's allocation request of $1.7 million includes uh, prior year carryover funds. And you can see how that's split up here among our fixed route services, our Ross Valley yellow bus program, and then the grants that we provide to the other yellow bus programs. Next slide. And then this is the last one, our uh, capital program. And um, 
here, I'll just turn to our bar chart showing our $16.4 million capital budget. As you can see, the bar charts there by year. Uh, our capital program always varies quite a lot. It, it uh, depends on how many things we're buying that year. Typically, we're buying vehicles. And, and same uh, for this coming year, the green, the dark green bar are for vehicles. We're buying some more hybrids, we're buying paratransit vehicles. Uh, and then we have quite a big chunk for facilities this time. We have a $5.8 million expenditure shown for, for facilities. And um, bus stop improvements, we've also got a big jump. We're expecting to do a big bus stop improvement program starting this year. So, so that's the kind of the summary of our capital budget. But now for the big news, next, next slide. Big news. I think you may have heard this. We uh, we have a $31.5 million grant. Um, so we are going to be able to, to secure uh, an electric bus maintenance uh, facility and yard. And we are truly thrilled about it. Uh, the local match for that, though, is about another $15 million, which we have from our capital reserves, primarily from our capital reserves. And that, that'll give us a total project of about $46.7 million. Um, I think the only thing I'm just going to mention on here is that you can see the details, but it does also include money for workforce development. And we have proposed in the grant to have a child care center on site. And we know that child care is one of the major obstacles to getting and to retaining employees. So we're pretty excited about, uh, about getting into that business with a lot of support from our, our partners here uh, in the county. Next slide. Um, and thank you to a number of you who came to our, our event on Friday. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Uh, last thing here is that then we can turn to the real stuff where we are requesting an allocation, uh, an allocation of both Measure A, AA, and Measure B. This is a summary of the total request for Measure A, and uh, it's a $20,855,851. It's an increase over the prior year. And as I mentioned before, return to the pre-COVID Measure A reliance, uh, given that we are now fully expended our federal funds. And um, you can see here that most of the Measure A funds do go for our local uh, uh, bus service, uh, fixed route service. Next slide. And then last slide here is uh, Measure B allocation request. In contrast to Measure AA, the Measure B allocation request continues to be very stable uh, over time and continues to fund critical programs that go beyond the ADA. You can see here that this is really in support of our paratransit programs, and it really does focus on um, Marin County older adults as well as people with disabilities. So that concludes my presentation, and thank you very much for your consideration this evening. Thank you, Nancy. That was comprehensive and I uh, really appreciate it. For some of our board members get a lot of Marin Transit uh, information, but a lot of them, uh, most of them don't. So uh, it's so important that we sort of get this because so much of the taxpayer money goes to Marin Transit. So uh, with that, I will see if there's any commissioner questions. Ah, commissioner Farr. Thank you, Nancy, very much for that great presentation. I'm a um, used to be a regular passenger on the buses. So um, thank you. But um, just a question. So currently it looks like um, we're spending just under $3.5 million for fuel. And it looks like um, we're going to be implementing seven new hybrid vehicles. What's the like the yearly savings for implementing a, you know, a hybrid vehicle approximately? 
Yeah, the I don't have any really fresh data, but okay. yeah, previously, <laughs> yeah, we we estimated when, and this is a conversion from 100% diesel to the hybrids, mm-hmm. right? So when we did that, we assumed that it was, or we we calculated it was going to be about a 20 to 23% reduction in in consumption. So that's not necessarily dollars, right? Because the right, prices, right, right. but that's a consumption. Okay, no, that's helpful. And then to um particularly the Novato dial ride. Um, and so as, as far as the Marin access programs, how is that communicated or um, to the users that are currently using that program um, for the switch? Sure. So one of the good things about Marin access programs, that, or at least some of them, and including the Novato dial ride, is that we do know who the riders are. That, you know, you, you we, we know who they are and, we, and they are more easily accessed because of that. We can we identified them as we began the, the process of looking at changes. We conducted focus groups. We actually wrote to them individually or contacted them individually. And uh, again, had some really great feedback on, on the services. Um, so that, that's the primary way we got feedback on, on the changes we were proposing and thinking about, and it did help shape uh, the Catch-A-Ride program in particular. So we, that's what we did initially. And then as we started to make the changes, we then just use that same uh, kind of blast of information to get that out there. Uh, social media, other, you know, as many other ways that we could. But again, Marine Access, the good thing was that they were, you know, it was pretty specific. We know who they are. Did you track the retention at all between like that? Pass. We haven't, you know, we've only been at it for yeah a few days, literally, <laughs> you know, we just started the catch a ride program on July 1 uh, or the revised catch a ride program. So we don't have any great data yet. Uh, yeah, I, I will confess there are always with any change, there are always some little bumps in the road. And, and I think we've figured a lot of them out, luckily within the first couple of days, but, you know, distributing uh, vouchers was a tricky thing, at least initially. So, yeah. I well, think thank you so it. much. Appreciate it. Commissioner Carmel. Nancy, thank you so much for your presentation. Super um, informative and helpful. So I have a question. So um, I'm wondering if you've ever looked at uh, what would the impact be for um, free ridership for school-aged kids and for seniors? Is that a major expense? What would be the impact of, uh, of a program like that? Yeah, so uh, on the students, we have done a, a fair amount of work in that area. And you may know that we do offer many of our students uh, ride for free. And any any student who is income eligible gets a free pass, which we coordinate through all of our schools. And almost every school in Marin takes advantage of that, uh, public school, I should say for sure, and some private take admi- advantage of that program. Uh, we use, so so many of our writers are using a, a free pass. Um, we have we did it you know this summer we have ongoing right now. In fact, uh, we in, in partnership with Smart and and other North Bay operators, we have free free students all summer long. So and that's kind of common in the transit industry. This happens more and more. Um, when we also did uh, another promotion this year with free students and and you know it doesn't cost us that that much because we don't collect that much right now from them from students so so it isn't really a, a cost issue for us it's really just one of making sure that um, we have a program that is uh, easily administered you know so that we that students can have some sort of ID as an example to get on the bus that's so um, given your experience, 
you know, with the summer program and with the, you know, the income, uh, you know, program for lower income students, you know, have you thought about expanding it to all students, all people under the age of 18 or, you know, some age group? And again, you said, the, you know, the marginal cost is not high, right? And I don't know what the revenue is that you get from that demographic group, but I'm just curious whether you've looked at what that would cost and what the impact would be. We we have I don't have I don't know that can't remember the numbers right off the top of my head. I think what we found is um, it's kind of interesting that the students who uh, who are not using the income eligible free passes, um, what we found is that the they tend to be not maybe not surprisingly in Marin County tend to be from higher income groups, and so um, it, it, and when we look into that a little bit deeper, it isn't typically a barrier. For them, so I mean, free would is it's a convenience. To be honest, it's it's not um, it isn't typically a barrier to writing, and even writing more frequently. Um, and and part of the way I think we know a little bit about that is from some of the the surveying work and some of the earlier work that we did through these promotions. But and I can get some more of the specific data on that for you. And and yes, I think we we might consider that as we move forward. We have a new we're we're doing a fair study. In fact, um, it's kicking off this this month. We're doing a big fair study, which we imagine is going to take us the next six months. And we are going to be looking at different uh, ways to provide free free fairs. So. I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, so I see a light on down at the end, Commissioner Carl. You want to go? Commissioner Ravazio. Okay. Well, I've, I've got a few questions, I'm afraid. Um, number one, uh, regarding the Muirwood shuttle, I noticed you still have on the slide that it's MV Transportation, but it's now the Bauer contract. And that's running through September, October? Correct. And then it'll be reevaluated? Yes. When do you expect to, to have a report on that? Probably November. November. Okay. Because I've expressed my concerns before, I, I'm not a big fan of us subsidizing the National Park Service with money that I think should be going to our residents and uh, workers. Um, so I'll be real interested in that. On the paratransit um, and catcher rides on the taxi and Uber, I'm curious, is there a way uh, to measure their performances? Um, I know there have been a lot of issues, particularly involving Uber and um, paratransit, their handling of, of um, paratransit rides, both handicapped people and just seniors in general, that there's been some issues with Uber and, and, and taxis too, I'm not singling them out, but and is there a way that we're measuring the denial of services or how many times requests are denied or, you know, failure rate? Yeah, uh, we do try to track that. And um, particularly, I know with the catch a ride program in the past, we were able to, to track some of that. Um, as we've moved to Uber, I, I don't know exactly what our, our metric is for that. I know that we can. I just don't know exactly what it is. And so, yes, we do. One of the ways that we know um, what's going on is when we hear from the riders, right? We hear, we will hear complaints. Okay. Or, and do yeah. we, do you monitor and track them? And uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, that, we do. Mm -hmm. That's a good start. Because like I know with my son, 
he will not get into a paratransit vehicle because of bad experiences 10 years ago with whistle stop where he got stranded a couple of times. And every time I tell you, well, there's a new service, you know, no reasoning with them. And mm -hmm. so once you lose them, it's, it's real difficult. Um, I'm also wondering about the volunteer driver program. Do we monitor what's going on with um, the Sausalito Cars program and the different villages and their volunteer driver program? Is there communication between those organizations? And We have a, something called the Mobility Consortium or in Mobility Consortium that we started that does bring together providers of services primarily to, uh, I'll call them uh, paratransit, paratransit plus type services, but there's a lot of the social service agencies and medical facilities, that sort of thing, as well as the volunteer driver programs. And so they, they have participated that way. And part of the strategic plan that we did several years ago did include them sp very specifically um, the cars program. So we do, we do coordinate with them. Yes. Okay. Well, do we, do we compile any numbers as to how much they're handling versus how much your agency is handling? So we get a picture of how good of a job we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know that we have the numbers from the other uh, volunteer driver programs. There are others beyond cars, as you may know. So, yeah. So we do not have, we do don't keep those records. Okay. I'm just wondering if we could, because it, it just strikes me that if you have, I think there's what, six villages in Marin County. Mm -hmm. I'm just starting to get into this. Uh, I've talked to the people at the cars in Sausalito, and I'm just curious if we had any hard numbers as to how many they're servicing and if there's possibly any coordination that could be done um, in um, how the clients are registered if there's a uniform procedure through all the organizations for both the, the clients and the drivers and if there's a, could be coordination between those agencies when they have to deny somebody's service because they don't have somebody available that those agencies can call on behalf of the client to our navigators or to the our programs and easily get that person transportation um yeah, so the the two programs that we uh, we help fund uh, the volunteer driver programs that we fund are called Star and Trip, and those programs the, the rider uh, independently identifies their volunteer. So we don't have a, a cadre of volunteers, if you will. Uh, each individual is able to identify uh, a driver who they um, then we actually compensate the rider to pay their, their driver to reimburse them for the, the travel. So we don't have a cadre of drivers to do that. So we don't have a means of sharing uh, drivers, if you will, that way. But we do provide, I think, uh, to answer the question about standardization, we have looked at toolkits to make it so that there is more standardization among the, the driver programs and also just to support the volunteer driver programs. How do we publicize the volunteer driver program? Because I've never heard of it. And I know like, for instance, my ex-wife, um, because she drives my um, youngest son who's handicapped and he's with the Golden Gate Regional Center, they reimburse her for mileage when she takes them to programs. And I'm curious, I've never heard of this and I'm sure she would mention it. You know, I'm just curious as 
you know, how does it get publicized? Yeah, um, it's it's on our website. We use our travel navigators as a means of of disseminating that information. All of our travel training, we we raise it in travel training, um, and any of the other you know public ways that we can. We're out talking about our programs all the time, so we do that. We raise it in forums like this. So uh, those are just some of the ways. And then the question that we have is, I'm curious as to, uh, has anyone looked at the duplication of services between Golden Gate Transit and SMART from Sonoma County to Larkspur, and San Rafael in particular, but also Larkspur, have we looked at those runs um, and seen if there's maybe a possibility of eliminating some of the bus runs since the train's going to be running anyway? Is that something that's been looked at to save those drivers and vehicles? Yeah, um, sure. That's a, that's a good question for Golden Gate. <laughs> um, well, that's or smart. Yeah. Who do yeah. I ask? Yeah, um, I, I would say Golden Gate are smart. And I know that they did in their original plans. They did look at exactly that. And I can just speak to the fact that Golden Gate it has reduced their service considerably. So I doubt that there's as much duplication now in terms of what's running along the 101 corridor compared to, to SMART. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Razio. Uh, yeah, just uh, uh, hopefully a quick question. Um, since driver shortages is the main reason or one of the main reasons why we had service cuts last year, other than the childcare, which sounds like a great idea, what else are we doing to make the jobs more attractive, such as higher pay or can we hire non-U.S. citizens with great driving records? Are there, is there a possibility to open the opportunities to a broader market? So uh, what we we contract for our service, so our contractors are responsible for the, the wage rates, but our board has, in fact, authorized uh, increases in the contracts to and specifically made those increases for wage increases. So uh, our one of our main contractors, the starting wage now is $28 an hour. And um, I don't remember the starting wage that we just raised for our paratransit drivers as well. So we've done that. And I think that's where we are seeing definitely some, some positive feedback. Um, that we are talking with our, our contractors about a whole series of things that might improve uh, re uh, recruitment and retention. Um, yeah, but it, I think it's still a bit of a problem. It's, it's subsiding a bit, uh, but even in, industry-wide, it's just been a huge problem over the last several years, actually. What about my citizen question? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't... Uh, um, I don't know what the practices are right now, to be honest. Yeah, so. I understand from a couple people I know who aren't citizens who tried to get a, a job as a bus driver that they weren't allowed because they were not a U.S. citizen, even though they have really good driving records mm -hmm. and driver's license and papers, they weren't citizens, so they were uh, not allowed to apply. I'll check. I'll check into that. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know. Yeah. One more. I have one more just point. Um, this is parochial, uh, but Redwood High School is going to be shutting down its east parking lot uh, for work this summer or in the fall. Why they didn't start the day school it out, I don't know, but they're going to be closing that parking lot for a couple of months. Is there any been any talk with your agency about providing supplemental service for 
uh, all those students who won't be able to drive to school? So we do provide service to them. They have supplemental routes. Um, so we're doing that. And, and then actually one of the changes we made this year is there is a, a, one of our regular fixed routes that does serve the school better 20 the route 29 does serve the school and it goes out uh, further out paradise so it goes out the tiburon peninsula on the paradise side uh, of of the peninsula so I, we are hopefully we'll be able to capture some of those i did not know about that uh, okay that's why i'm mentioning it because i thought you guys surely should be aware of that that might become yeah. an issue in yeah well thank you yes. yeah do you have any public comment jennifer I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair. Thank you. Any commissioner comments? You know, all I'll say very briefly, Nancy, is um, the phrase that um, I remember from last Friday at the award of the grant was Marin Transit is a small but mighty agency. And so that is uh, true. You're really shown throughout the pandemic by ID service uh, being flexible and responsive and really it's already been stated many times, but but the grant is uh, really a, a game changer. And uh, I think the last thing I'd like to underline is really the ability to, the, the dollars that are being used to help our working families transfer from taking care of diesel engines to electrification. And considering you're in the throes of a child care crisis, uh, the child care um, service is offering is incredibly powerful. And with that, I'll accept a motion. Uh, I and oh, is sorry. it okay if we do B and C together? Any concerns there? Uh, it's okay with us. Yep. All right. I'll make a motion that we allocate uh, Measure AA and Measure A reserve funds from in transit, and then uh, item 8C, uh, allocate Measure B vehicle registration fee funds from in transit. Second. Well played, Commissioner Lucan. First by Lucan, second by Rodoni. Jennifer, the roll. Commissioner Carmel? Yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin had to leave the meeting. Commissioner Farrakh? Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Milton Peters? Yes. Commissioner Ravazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Bordoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Vice Chair Lucan? Yes. Chair Colbert. Yes. Our final item, and it's an action item of the night, uh, allocate Measure B Element 1.1 funds. Anne? So I will just uh, quickly note, um, Scott McDonald is presenting this item, and he's joining us virtually this evening for a variety of reasons. So uh, if you'll turn your attention to the monitors, we'll go through it. It's a quick staff report, and it does tie back to some of the discussion about the Measure B strategic plan. Um, and in particular, element 1.1 and the switch to kind of bike and ped and safety focused projects. So uh, Scott, please go ahead. Great. Uh, good evening, commissioners, and thanks, Anne, for the introduction. Uh, yeah, just to confirm, I'm just getting over being a bit sick this week, um, but recovering. So I decided to present remotely. Uh, still excited to present this item on the allocation of Measure B 1.1 funds. Next slide, please. As you recall, uh, $10 Marin County vehicle registration fee which now generates uh, around 2.3 million annually was approved by voters as Measure B in 2010. Uh, and the Measure B expenditure plan from 2010 was reviewed and amended by the TAM board earlier this year in February, uh, also leading to the updated Measure B strategic plan you received earlier this evening under item seven. Uh, next slide, please. So tonight this item is regarding Measure B element 1.1 funding within Measure B. 
which historically, based on the initial 2010 Measure B expenditure plan, was allocated by formula to local jurisdictions with a breakdown based on 50% population and 50% lane miles for general, local street, and road maintenance. Now, as a result of the 2023 amended Measure B expenditure plan, Measure B Element 1.1 funding is still received by formula under the historic breakdown, uh, but for um, bicycle, pedestrian, and safety improvement projects specifically, uh, which was pointed out under the Item 7 presentation tonight. Next slide, please. In order to confirm these uses uh, for the funds in accordance to the expenditure plan, TAM carried out a call for projects to receive allocation requests. Our review of the request focused on making sure each funding request was in line with its required use. Also, as the agencies were aware of, TAM is to establish a reimbursement schedule, which we developed based on the timing of funding needed by sponsors, uh, as well as the projected amounts of funding. Most jurisdictions responded to the call, requesting funds based on the full amount they'll receive. Uh, however, a couple agencies, uh, San Rafael and the County of Marin, did not submit requests for their full amounts to allow more time to consider project needs for these funds. Uh, which is not a problem, uh, and they're going to be allowed to notify TAM once their requested uses have been determined. Um, you'll notice the funding not yet requested was set aside in our reimbursement schedule, shown in attachment A in the outermost year of the five-year period to allow them the more time they need. Next slide, please. Here's the full list of requests we received around $2.25 out of the $3.7 available over the next five-year period. With the differences mentioned based on Santa Fe and the county needing uh, more time to consider projects. But the uh, thing we really wanted to point out and highlight this evening, uh, starting in this slide, is uh, really how pleased we are with the overall range of projects that were submitted uh, and to show the impact of the program in supporting the delivery of key projects throughout our bike ped network. Uh, this list is based on the applications shared in your packet. Uh, and on the next slide, we pulled out some examples representing the range and types of upcoming projects this project, um, this program will support. Next slide, please. Some projects are repaving projects that incorporate key elements that support bike and pedestrian use, uh, such as this uh, Fairfax repaving project with curb ramps, sidewalks, street markings for bicycles along uh, three streets in the town. Uh, others are core bike ped projects that are closing gaps in bike routes. Here you'll see San Selmo's Creek Park Contraflow bike lane. Uh, which is addressing a gap in the east-west Crossburn bikeway. Uh, Corridor TAM studied and presented a report on to the TAM board in June, and this project demonstrates project uh, progress toward. Next slide, I'm sorry, not next slide. Uh, uh, next example, I should say, uh, we also saw a commitment to supporting safety, uh, particularly for pedestrians within projects, as was the case in Sausalito's Coloma Street Safe Pathway to School project, which uh, features a new sidewalk with several pedestrian crossing improvements, including a rectangular rapid flashing beacon. Uh, and the county, which didn't submit a full request, did submit a partial request for funding for Lomita Drive bicycle and pedestrian improvements, uh, which will provide bike lanes and close existing sidewalk gaps to provide a continuous sidewalk supporting bicyclists and pedestrians. Uh, so collectively, these projects uh, we received are high impact and in line with the purpose of the current Measure B Element 1.1 program. Next slide, please. So tonight we're recommending the TAM board allocates a total of approximately 2.25 million in Measure B Element 1.1 funds to local jurisdictions toward bicycle, pedestrian, and safety improvement projects uh, and approves the accompanying reimbursement schedule you'll see as attachment A. Uh, with the approval, we're going to develop funding agreements with the agencies 
uh, gather the remaining requests needed from City of Santa Fe and the County of Marin. Next slide, please. All right, so that wraps up the presentation and we're happy to answer any questions you may have. Hey, Scott, thank you so much. And I hope you're on the mend. Any commissioner questions? Seeing none. Jennifer, any public comment? Sure, I don't see any public comments at this time. Great, let's bring it back. Any commissioner comments? Commissioner Mullen Peters. Nope, but I would move approval of allocating Measure B Element 1.1 funds. Second. Kemenitzer. sir. First by Mullen Peters, second by Commissioner Kemenitzer. And I will just sort of say, this is, uh, unfortunately, it's the last item of the night, but this is actually really exciting and really great news, right? There's the, the local jurisdictions have been really trying to do a whole lot of bike projects. And so I think that TAM is being uh, really responsive and really sort of looking forward. Heck, we might even be future-proofing some of our future multimodality movements throughout the county. Uh, and it comes on really well after last meeting when we had the whole sort of where the gaps are. So it's really a great thing. And with that, Jennifer, can you call the roll? Commissioner Carmel had to leave the meeting. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Farrakh? Yes. Commissioner Kemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Moulton Peters? Yes. Commissioner Ravazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Rodoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Vice Chair Lucan? Yes. Chair Colbert? I'm a yes. And before I adjourn, I wish all my fellow commissioners and staff a safe and enjoyable and peaceful August. I'll see all of you in September.